The meeting will come to order. This is the February 12, 2024 Rules Committee meeting. I'm Supervisor Hillary Ronan, Chair of the Committee. I'm joined by Committee Vice Chair Shimon Walton and will soon be joined by Committee Members Supervisor Safai. Our clerk is Victor Young and I would like to thank Corwin Cooley at SFGov TV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Uh, yes, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, please line up to speak on, on your right. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at victor.young at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and included as part of the file. You may also send your written comment via U.S. mail to our office at City Hall, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlit Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. Please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices. Documents to be included as part of the file should be submitted to the clerk. Items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda on February 27, 2024, unless otherwise stated. That completes my initial announcements. Thank you. Can you please read item number four out of order? Yes, item number four is ordinance amending the administrative code to authorize the Department of Public Health to procure behavioral health and public health residential care and treatment services for the patients of the department without adhering to the competitive solicitation or local business enterprise requirements of the municipal code. Thank you so much. Good to see you, Mr. Wagner. Begin. Uh, good morning, Chair Ronan, uh, Supervisor Walton, Greg Wagner, Department of Public Health. Um, I was hoping for a more uh, celebratory uh, hearing this morning, uh, but uh, business continues. Um, so uh, as you know, uh, we have before you legislation requesting additional flexibility to be able to uh, procure behavioral health uh, and public health residential care and treatment beds uh, inside, uh, but probably more frequently outside of the county uh, to meet what we all know is a very urgent uh, need. We've been working for uh, months and years to expand the supply of uh, treatment beds of various types. We've come to the conclusion uh, that in many cases, although there are obviously very good reasons for the rules and laws that we have around procurement, uh, they are not fitting the need uh, given the market for these uh, beds. There is an undersupply and a lot of demand for these beds. In many cases, we have providers that have beds available but who did not participate in the competitive solicitation process, and that makes it very challenging for us to figure out how to way to, uh, a way to purchase those beds in a timely way. Um, so that's obviously creating service gaps, time delays, and getting people uh, the treatment that we know uh, that they need. Um, so the if you could hold on one quick sec. There, there are slides on the laptop, but they're not showing on oh. SFGov TV. Oh, yes, SFGov TV, uh, if you don't mind showing the slides. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, so um, at the heart of the request uh, of this ordinance is uh, a competitive solicitation waiver. Um, so we would certainly still continue to use competitive solicitations, RFPs and RFQs for a lot of these services, uh, but the request here would give us the option uh, in cases where we find beds available uh, that a provider had not uh, uh, Com, uh, competed in those processes to enter into contract negotiations within the confines of this uh, ordinance. Um, 
We understand that this is a, a serious ask and we don't make it lightly. Uh, we've attempted to put some constraints around the scope of the request to make sure uh, that we have the ability to monitor uh, the usage of the request and that it's being used appropriately. Uh, we would have reporting obligations, uh, including uh, annual reporting on the usage of this ordinance. We have our health commission oversight of all of our contracts. Uh, we have the regular contracting process that would still apply, including uh, contract compliance oversight and uh, the state and federal licensing regulations and clinical oversight of the use of these beds. Um, so while this would uh, waive the competitive solicitation process in, current, in, in certain cases, we would still have a lot of controls and oversight uh, over these services. Uh, the legislation includes a sunset provision in five years. Uh, what we uh, expect that this would do is expand our capacity for uh, much needed behavioral health beds, including those that are tailored to some of the specific needs of our clients that are very hard to find. Uh, these could include locked subacute, complex licensed treatment beds, mental health and substance use residential services, withdrawal management, uh, step down, and others. Uh, this would also provide us the ability when we require isolation and quarantine beds that are unpredictable and often very time sensitive to um, uh, quickly procure those beds. Uh, so goals, uh, again, are to reduce wait time, increase diversity in our provider pool, uh, give us flexibility in finding the right bed for the right client at the right time, um, and uh, uh, speed up and streamline the administrative process uh, for uh, procurement of these services. Um, so I will uh, leave it at that, and I'm ha happy to uh, answer questions, and uh, my colleagues from public health are here as well. Sure, thank you. Supervisor Walton. Thank you, Chair Ronan, and thank you for the presentation. Just, I do have one question. Why do we have to waive LBE requirements as a part of this? Um, so right now for these services, um, we, we have an active LBE program at DPH, but for these services, those requirements are often waived anyway. Uh, so we'll submit, because these are CBO uh, contracts, they don't have services in the categories of the LBEs. So we take the administrative step to submit to CMD on these, but it, it's waived anyway. Um, so it's an extra step in the process that doesn't really result in any expansion of the LBE program. We will, of course, continue to work uh, to expand LBE usage in a number of other areas, but this is not really the target. Uh, these are not the target services for our, our LBE uh, program. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? No? Okay. Um, I just you know, want to thank you for this. I'm a co-sponsor of this legislation. I think it's really important. Uh, we have not been able to reach those 400 beds that we're desperately trying to uh, obtain and procure because, uh, partially because of the burdensome requirements. Um, uh, but there's also just not enough beds, period. So uh, anything we can do to make it easier, uh, I believe is important at this point, given what a huge crisis we have uh, in behavioral health um, in the city. So I wanna thank you for bringing this forward. Oh. Actually, I do have a question. And there's one question from Supervisor Safai. Thank you. Thank you for being here, uh, Greg. Um, I know that you've transitioned into your new role. Um, 
can you just, I, I know you said in the presentation, what's the average time it takes once you have the beds procured? What's the average time it takes to actually get someone in the bed? I will uh, ask uh, Dr. Conant to speak to that. One of the reasons I'm asking that question is because I, I'm happy that to, to, to support you all waiving the fees. I know that, that it's a competitive market. I know we have to move quickly to secure the beds. But one of the biggest criticisms I've heard from providers that work with San Francisco is that it takes a long time to get people actually into the beds once the beds are available. So I know that currently, my understanding is that there's some beds that, are, that, that might not be filled or are in the process of being filled. So I just I want to talk about that on the record for a moment because I'm going to support this today. I appreciate that you all want to move quickly, and I think that we need to do that. But I also want to spend just a couple minutes just talking about what the process is you all go through to actually get the beds filled and how long it actually takes because I think that's a, a big piece of the problem as well. Morning, uh, Hillary Cunningham, Instructor of Behavioral <clears throat> Health. Um, thanks, thanks for your, your question, Supervisor Safai. I think the answer to that question is there's some diversity to that answer. So, for example, when we procure a single or, or handful of beds, typically what this legislation is aiming to address is our shortage of locked subacute beds. The time frame, those beds are already uh, operational, already staffed, there's already processes in place to, to place folks, um, and that ought to be rapid. Um, there are some kinds of service types where, for example, we are opening a new service type. It might take time for there to be appropriate staffing, assessment of appropriate clients, uh, and, and change in workflows. My goal and our goal is to expedite that. We don't want new services. Uh, we want to expedite our ability to offer placement, appropriate placements for as many people as possible. No, I, I understand that. I mean, that absolutely should be the goal. But do you, do you all have an, uh, information on what your average time to fill beds are? I think if there is. And if you don't have it today, it would be really helpful to have that. Because again, I've spoken to a few service providers and they say it is extremely difficult. They work all around the Bay Area. San Francisco is one of the most difficult ones to deal with when it comes to referrals to actually get people placed into beds. So can you just spend a minute telling us about that? Yeah, process? and happy, I'll also just add, uh, also perhaps we can follow up to get that feedback directly from the providers so we can problem solve the specifics there. Um, I think it's, I will get back to you with more information. It's hard to generalize. Can I ask one question? Is it our process that we have to have someone assigned as a case manager before they can actually be referred to a mental health bed? Uh, there is a, what we call a utilization management review for many types of beds, not all. Those folks are utilization reviewers. This is required by the state and to determine medical necessity under um, Medi-Cal rules, and this is both federal and state, I should add. My question is, is, some counties allow the actual provider to have the manager working with them. Do we require it to be someone that is sitting in county, and is there a backlog in terms of assigning th that staff? Uh, at present, I don't believe there's a backlog. I also believe, and I'll get back to you, that there's some 
federal and state regulations about having separation of who is making an assessment for a placement and then who is doing the placement. And so there is some rules that we need to follow about the separation of those two functions. And again, it sounds like you have some specific feedback and I'm happy to understand that better and fix it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to work with you. I think the, the biggest frustration I have, not just with your department, is that we have resources, we have providers, some do things really well, some don't. Um, we're in the process of trying to get as many people into these services as we can, whether it be homeless services, or it be mental health services, and then it ends up being sometimes it's our county that's somewhat of the backlog, or it might be the wrong provider is being chosen, so then we end up having a lot of empty beds sitting there in some cases um, and not providing the services needed. So I, I just wanted to say that to get that on the record today. I'm happy to support this. I think it's really important that we have the ability to move quickly because we don't want to lose out on the opportunity to compete with other counties. But I also think the efficiencies within our own is something to really pay a lot of attention to because I think that's, a, that's one of the areas that I don't think we're doing as well as we could. Thank you, Chair. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kunis. Thank you so much. We'll now open this item up for public comment. <clears throat> yes. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item shall line up to speak at this time. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes. There will be a soft chime when you have 30 seconds left and a louder chime when your time has expired. If there's anybody who would like to make public comment, you can approach the podium at this time. There does not appear to be any speakers. Public comment is now closed. I would like to make a motion to send this item as a committee report to the full board with positive recommendation. Yes, on that motion. Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. The motion passes to send this matter to the Board of Supervisors as a committee report. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you so much, thank you. Uh, Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number one? Yes, item number one is a motion approving rejecting the mayor's nomination for the reappointment of Lydia L. to the Redevelopment Successor Agency Oversight Board, term ending January 24th, 2028. And I see Mr. Mrs. Ely here, would you like to say anything? Good morning, supervisors. Lydia Ely. I'm the deputy for housing at the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, and I've been serving on the oversight board for the last few years and um, pleased to resubmit my nomination for another term. Um, I've been with MoCD since 2009, and now as deputy, one of my responsibilities is to align our pipeline with the OCII um, pipeline. The oversight board does not make policy or program recommendations. Our, um, our responsibilities are quite narrow, namely to approve this recognized obligation payment standard, the ROPS, which gets uh, submitted to the state. The ROPS is essentially um, a list of all the outstanding obligations that OCII has um, as it continues to wind down its operations. Uh, in the last year, I've been very pleased to approve a line item on the ROPS that um, 
is moving forward thanks to the passage of SB 93, which authorizes OCII to complete over 5,000 additional units of replacement housing. And, and that was passed by the legislature and signed by the governor in 2023. And um, OCII is, is starting to do the planning work to get um, those units built and working closely with MOCD on aligning pipeline and priorities. So um, it's been my pleasure and hope you will consider uh, my nomination for another term. Thank you. Thank you so much. Any questions? I do have a question. Go ahead. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, uh, Ms. Ailey, for putting your name forward again. I have a question. In terms of the area that OCII has jurisdiction or concentration, can you name the neighborhoods that that's in? I know that Mission Bay is one. So the um, areas are Trans Bay, Mission Bay, and Candlestick, Hunters Point. Those are the three outstanding areas. No longer, it's no longer the Fillmore Western Edition. No. Mm -hmm. Do you all ever have conversations about any of the work that happened there in the past? It's no longer under the purview of OCII. Well, I mean, with the passage of SB 93, which is a direct um, acknowledgement of the agency, the redevelopment agency, and now OCII's ongoing obligation to replace housing that was just that was uh, demolished in those neighborhoods. Um, I think there is intention and, um, again, in cooperation with MOCD and other housing delivery agencies in the city to see what opportunities there are to, to site that replacement housing in those neighborhoods. The reason I ask is because we're going through a situation right now with a former redevelopment site that was sold to Safeway in 1981 for the equivalent of what would be a single-family home in San Francisco today, about 1.5 million. Safeway is planning or had planned to try to sell that site. Um, and there were a lot of homes and businesses that were displaced there. And this now is transaction was with good intention, I think originally for a supermarket, and now is being sold by that supermarket to a private developer. And I just wonder if there's any conversation at UCII or redevelopment now with SB 93, there should be a conversation about replacing the housing that was lost. It's a really large uh, acreage in a former redevelopment site. And I think it's a really good opportunity for there to be a good amount of affordable housing. So I just wanted your thoughts on that. I think that transaction took place long enough that there's no longer can any opportunity for OCII to transact on that site. I think bigger picture, your comment about replacing housing that was displaced by that development and other redevelopment activities is, is very um, timely. I don't believe OCII is intending to issue any bonds under the SB 593 authorization until fiscal year 2526. Um, so there is a timing issue if anybody is interested in launching um, a housing use at that site there would have to be other funds identified just because the timing doesn't align at the moment yeah I mean the reason I bring it up is because again even though the obligation might be technically gone uh, I think their obligations still exist to that community 
um, that was devastated by redevelopment. And here's an opportunity now with our policy and planning to regain some of what was lost. I don't necessarily think it's the best use of the, that particular resource. If there was a commitment made for a grocery store, that grocery store now is saying they're going to close in a, within a year. It's a real opportunity there on a large site to do some work. So anyway, I just wanted to put it out there. I think there could be a chance for OCII through uh, the, new, the passage of SB 93, as you said. Thank you. Supervisor Walton, do you have any questions? I just want to thank you so much for all your work and appreciate you for everything you do on, on the, in this role and in your role at MOHCD. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Supervisor. Absolutely. And oh, I will oh, now open I, this side. Sorry, can I ask one more question? So there's, a, there's one more seat that's vacant. Do you know anything, since you are the Mayor's Office of Housing, do you know anything about why the other seat is vacant? I do not. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can we now open this item up for public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item should line up to speak at this time. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes. If you would like to speak on this matter, you can approach the podium at this time. There does not appear to be any public commenters on this matter. Uh, public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to remove the word rejecting from page one, line three, and reject from page two, line 11, and send to the full board with positive recommendation. Uh, yes, on the motion to recommend as amended, Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. The motion passes without objection. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number two? Yes. Item number two is adhering to, concern to, our, to consider appointing two members term ending December 13, 2026 to the Housing Stability Fund Oversight Board. Thank you, and I don't believe Edward Badian is here, but Alex. Yeah, uh, I I am not Edward Perillon, but I'm. Uh, I, he asked me I, to. I'm, uh, I'm as chair. I'm authorizing you to speak on his behalf. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, good morning, supervisors. My name is Alex Landsberg. I'm I'm here speaking on behalf of Ed Perillon, who has been uh, nominated to the Housing Stability Fund Oversight Board. Uh, so I'm just going to read you what uh, what he sent over to me. Uh, good morning. Thank you f uh, to the members of the Rules Committee for taking the time to consider my appointment to the Housing Stability Fund Oversight Board. My name is Edward Perillon, and I have been working in affordable housing development for the last 10 years. I've worked on projects in San Francisco and other parts of the Bay Area, leading project management on over 1,000 homes for very and extremely low-income families. I currently work at an organization focused on permanent supportive housing projects, and I see firsthand how critical local financial support can be uh, for those projects' success. Both capital expenditures and operating deficits require that local governments step in to ensure that the most vulnerable of our neighbors can become and remain housed permanently and stably. As an affordable housing representative on the HSFOB, I hope to bring this perspective and expertise to the table and work with my fellow members to develop models 
for housing that are creative, flexible, and sustainable, and importantly, accountable to residents, uh, to residents and to all San Franciscans. Thank you for your consideration. Uh, and just in case anyone's wondering, Ed's, Ed's an old friend of mine, and he lives uh, in District 9 on, uh, off of uh, just south of Cesar Chavez off Tiffany. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, any questions or comments? Seeing none, can we please open this item up for public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item can line up to speak at this time. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes. There does not appear to be any public commenters on this matter. Thank you so much. Public comment is now closed. I would like to make a motion appointing Edward Paralan. Paralan, I'm saying it in Spanish, even though it, I shouldn't be, uh, to seat for uh, with positive recommendation. Yes, on that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. That motion passes without objection. Motion passed unanimously. Thanks so much. And last but not least, can you please read item number three? Yes, item number three is a hearing to consider appointing one member term ending July 1st, 2026, and one member term ending July 1st, 2027 to the Entertainment Commission. And um, we'll start with seat one. Um, is Anthony Schlander here? Yes, please come up and let us know your interest in applying for the Ent Entertainment Commission. One, this one, this one. Either. Either one. Hello, good morning. Um, good morning, esteemed members of the board. I'm Anthony Schlander, a passionate advocate for San Francisco's diverse communities, and I'm applying for seat one of the Entertainment Commission. So as a native of San Francisco, my roots run deep within our city's cultural landscape. Um, with over 20 years in live entertainment, you know, I've played a small role in enhancing our local economy and cultural scene, um, producing significant events that celebrate our city's rich diversity and history. So my commitment to San Francisco extends beyond entertainment, deeply in the, and deeply in the community service. As a long-standing member and board member of the City Eats, you know, we help distribute you know, half a million meals to those people in need. Also, my involvement with Soma West CBD uh, and success, success centers underlines my dedication to improving our city's livability and supporting our youth. Additionally, volunteering with organizations like the United Players demonstrates my commitment to community safety and empowerment. These roles have not only allowed me to address food insecurity and support at-risk youth, but also champion the cultural and social well-being of our diverse com communities. If honored with this appointment, I aspire to leverage my extensive background to rejuvenate and, di and diversify San Francisco's entertainment scene, ensuring it mirrors the vibrant tap tapestry of our city. My goal is to create inclusive, enriching experiences that celebrate all San Franciscans. Thank you for considering my application, and I'm eager to contribute my experience, passion, and insight to the entertainment commissioning. I'm sorry for my low energy. I, I just, yesterday heard very painful game. I was at the Super Bowl, came back. I'm usually a lot more energetic, but thank you for, uh, for listening. You are not alone. I think I that you speak for, <laughs> for practically the whole city. It's going to be the lowest energy day yeah. of our lives. I'm usually a lot more en enthusiastic. <laughs> we yeah. hear you. Um, does anyone have any questions? Yeah. 
we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we're going to take them all together. I'm, I'm just wondering what your top priorities would be if you are appointed to the commission. Um, pretty much bringing diverse communities together. You know, I, again, uh, I, I could have applied for C1 and C2 just because half my life has spent both in community service and entertainment. So just being on the commission, I, I'm, I'm really excited to work with other commissioners and see, you know, what we can grow and, and, and help support the city. I think 2024 is going to be a great year um, for entertainment, especially in the city. And, you know, I just really want to support and, again, use whatever resource, experience I can to help the, the commission. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Are we going to ask questions after to each commissioner? Or are just oh, going to no, have no. all the present? Oh, now? Okay, I just wanted to ask. I'm sorry. So what's your favorite uh, entertainment venue in the city? My favorite entertainment? I mean, I'm a big fan of live entertainment, especially sports. You know, if we we're talking sports, of course, the Chase Center. You can talk um, whichever one but, you want. But, I, you know, historically, I've, I've supported mostly small businesses. You know, I, I am a big fan of... Venues like the Midway, um, you know, Temple has done a great job in San Francisco. I've worked with every single small business venue in San Francisco, so it's kind of tough to play favorites or anything like that. Um, but I feel like, yeah, the Midway does a great job in their diverse programming. Uh, 1015 Folsom is great. Um, and there's smaller clubs in the city, and, you know, we've lost a few clubs the last few months as well, so... You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope right now with what's going on in the city as far as nightlife. So, you know. And and it says here on your application, you you did 250 events annually pre-COVID. Yeah. Can you speak about That's that for a minute? <laughs> Honestly, amazing. I don't know how I did that, but I did that. You know, um, we were, we were doing we were producing 250 events pre-COVID. Um, obviously, there was a ton more venues. What kind of events were they? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, sure. Um, there were sporting events, uh, seminars, nightclubs, day life. So not just parties, but any type of events uh, that you can think of. I was producing. You know, we we do corporate events, but we also do food festivals, night markets. Um, I'm Filipino, so we do a lot of food festivals. So a lot of eating. Those are my favorite. So, you know, that, that was part of the combination of 250 events. You know, this year I'm more focused on the, the community stuff, uh, the cultural stuff, especially, you know, this, in, this summer. I think the pandemic really put a, a hold on me um, just because, obviously, we, we all went through our, our challenges with having to produce events. But now that we are free to produce events, you know, without restriction. I mean, I think that's why this year is very important to me. Great. Well, I'll just say the fact that you were born and raised in the Excelsior, graduate of Bow, how could I not support you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chair. Thanks for Thank all you. you're doing. It's pretty amazing. And I really wanted to just give you the opportunity to say a little more of what you had in your, I think you're being super humble. And so I appreciate, I mean, just 250 events annually, all the different small businesses. That's really what we need. They're the backbone of I appreciate what, that. what we got going on. Thank and, you. And, and to add to that, you know, we, we did, ho we hosted and supported four watch parties yesterday and probably had about 6,000 people between the four or five of them. So, oh. you know, obviously the outcome was, was, was not what we wanted, but at least 
the community came together. They were all in San Francisco. They were all in different districts. You know, all the small businesses made money. It was safe. And, you know, that makes me proud and happy. Thank you. Wait, if you could hold on one second. Supervisor Walton. Thank you, Chair Ronan. I was going to wait, but it seems like the right time to jump in. And let the record show he mentioned a venue in, in D10 as his favorite venue. I, just, um, I was try, I was trying to push him, but oh, <laughs> but it, but no, I really just wanted to take the time to say one that I appreciate uh, you stepping up and being willing to serve someone with your expertise, experience, and your talents. I think we definitely need this on the Entertainment Commission. The fact that you've worked with so many venues, so many businesses here in the city, and and bringing that lens to trying to, of course, make our economy get back to where we used to be and making sure nightlife is jumping and booming here in San Francisco. So I just wanted to say thank you for being willing to step up and looking forward to working with you and the rest of the commission as we do the work of continuing to increase nightlife and bring, bring more folks back to the city. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. So that was the easy part. Now comes the hard part. Um, we have four applicants for one seat, seat two. The qualifications are must represent the interests of entertainment associations or groups. And I'm going to call um, Asia Nicole Duncan up first. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for you? joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I am a retired DJ and also retired dancer. Mm -hmm. I moved up to San Francisco from Los Angeles. I'm a queer black woman. I have been in the nightlife scene for 18 years. I'm also working on my social worker degree. I'm about to start my hours. I've done a lot of community activism as well, um, here and also up in Portland. I lived here for 10 years and then moved up to Portland and then I've been back uh, working on my degree. And I am an active member with the Harvey Milk Club and also Bay Area Workers Support and also the National Association of Social Workers. And within that, I've worked with La Casa, doing volunteer work, and also St. James Infirmary. And one of my biggest activism uh, projects that I worked on was actually getting 27 strip clubs in Portland, Oregon, to comply with black dancers and trans dancers in order to go through sexual assault training and also anti-racism training and holding the clubs accountable. And then we turned it into a nonprofit in Portland. And I bring that to the Entertainment Commission as well, my strive to hold businesses more accountable. And then also, I just want to see our city operating till two at night again. I feel like a lot of bars sometimes aren't even open on Sundays or Mondays anymore. And it would be nice to see our nightlife community back to how it was. And also coming from an entertainer side of it, I've worked with larger organizations within the city as well. So I know how they operate and I would love to work with them and bring our city back to the buzz that I felt yesterday afternoon for, before pre-gaming for the game. Thank you so much. Are there any questions 
the comments? No? No, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I, I, I will. I'm sorry. What's your favorite venue, entertainment venue in the city? <laughs> Great American. Or, or, or a few. I mean, I don't want you to. I like Great American Music Hall. Oh, great. It's making a comeback. It's making a comeback. There's yeah. a lot of investment in there. It's okay. a beautiful venue as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next, um, is Benjamin McGrath here? Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Good. How are you? Uh, good morning, supervisors. I also apologize if I'm a little low energy today. Um, I was bartending yesterday, and so obviously that was an emotionally and physically taxing shift. Um, my name is Benjamin McGrath. Uh, today is actually my 18-year anniversary of moving to San Francisco, and I have been working in the nightlife industry for almost all of those 18 years, uh, specifically working in and or managing queer bars, including the Lexington Club, the Stud, and then I'm currently at El Rio and Oasis. Uh, starting as a bartender and moving into event planning and then under bar management and currently back to simply bartending, I believe I bring in a unique skill set and point of view as a ground level worker and as well as management. Um, I believe that one of the biggest skill sets that this work has taught me is the ability to calmly and respectfully uh, deal with many folks in very heightened emotional situations. Um, I think we can all agree the simple ask, ask, task of de-escalation is not an easy one. Uh, finally, I believe as being um, a trans person, this industry gives me a unique point of view that I believe does not currently exist on the board. Um, I'm going to make this short and sweet. Um, in closing, I did just want to say that I happen to know all the people running for this seat. Um, I think they are all phenomenal, quality people. I consider many of them close friends, and I think this board would be well served by having any one of us on that seat. Thank you for saying that. This is the hardest. <laughs> it's okay. You guys have I've a really hard task, but these are all really it. good people, so I think you're going to be okay. I just want to say that my legislative aide, Jackie Prager, has been stressing over this. <laughs> I can imagine. Like you would not believe it. It's just the best of the best applying for yeah. what seats are. It's a, but it's thanks a good for group. saying that. This of is course, an impossible decision we have before us. Did you want to ask your question? Oh, yeah. What? I mean, <laughs> my favorite venue? I mean, it's hard when you bartend. It's hard when I bar. I, and I've been put it this way. Um, I realize again, I've been, I've been in San Francisco for almost 20 years and um, I've wanted to work at El Rio the entire time I was here mm. and getting the opportunity to work there right after the pandemic. I got hired on when they were reopening and it was kind of a dream come true. It's a wonderful venue and a wonderful space. And I think you've all been there before. And yeah, it's my it's my favorite place. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, and now I know Chris Hastings wasn't able to be here, but great. We have someone here who's going to speak on his behalf. Good morning. Hi. I'm not Chris. I'm Jillian. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, Chris coming Chris sends in. his apologies. Yeah, no um, problem. So I'm just going to read this. <clears throat> My name is Chris Hastings. I apologize that I'm not able to be here with you today in person to tell you a little bit about myself and why I'm interested in the position on the Entertainment Commission. I'd also like to thank Gillian for taking the time out of her schedule to come and read the statement to you on my behalf. I've been working entertainment and nightlife for over 30 years, with over 20 plus of that being here in San Francisco. I'm a Bay Area native and a UC Berkeley graduate. I own and operate three small brick and mortar businesses here in San Francisco. I've lived in the same apartment on Lexington Street in, Mich in the Mission for over 20 years. My roots in the city are deep and my passion for this place and this industry. 
I began working in restaurants in college as a way to pay for my education, but what started as means to, to an end transformed into a vocation that shaped much of my life. <clears throat> it was never initially my intention to spend my career in this industry, having gone to school to be a teacher, but even while teaching high school and through other subsequent career paths, I kept a foot in the door, always having a side job on the summer or weekends, working in bars and restaurants and throwing parties for fun and a little extra income. Eventually, the side hustle transformed into my full-time profession. I've worked in cafes, restaurants and bars. I've thrown dance parties, started charity runs, produced street closures for block parties and organized small-scale concerts. I'm very proud that my business, The Lookout, which, is, which I started in 2007, has developed into a Castro and San Francisco institution. I'm grateful the Lookout management team and many of the staff have been there in the entire 17 years, something incredibly unusual for this industry and I believe speaks to both my leadership and the work culture that has been created there. I'm also very proud of the work that the business does with the community, raising over $150,000 a year on average for various community organizations. Casements, a business I opened along with Jillian, that's me, in 2020, is quickly following in the Lookout's footsteps. Not only surviving the pandemic, having opened only weeks before the world shut down, but thriving and embedding itself in the mission, LGBTQI plus and Irish communities. Casements just turned four and has a very bright future. I understand the needs of promoters. I cut my teeth throwing, that's a very hard thing for an Irish person to say, sorry. I cut my teeth throwing underground dance parties and reminisce fondly of doing that all over San Francisco in the early 2000s. Learning the pitfalls and challenges that come along with that, along with that, sorry, and eventually graduating to throwing dance events in licensed clubs throughout the city and on chartered boats in the San Francisco Bay. Later, I helped create the Disco Coalition to celebrate and unify queer nightlife. I've also started and organized public events. Most recent, during the pandemic, I started the Art Mart on Noe Street, and I'm still heavily involved in its planning and orchestration. What started as a necessity for community that has now morphed into a monthly event with large-scale events on holidays, complete with live entertainment and children-focused activities. I created and organized the Santa Skivvies Run, an underwear charity fun run and block party which raises over $100,000 a year for a San Francisco AIDS Foundation and just celebrated its 15th year. I've worked as a lead on large-scale sound and art installations at Burning Man, one of which is proudly set up semi-permanently in front of San Jose City Hall. I'm a very capable small business operator with a strong sense of how to navigate the bureaucracy San Francisco places in front of a small business and event organizers, and have worked as a consultant to help other entrepreneurs navigate those challenges. The past decade of my career has, been, has seen a shift in focus towards developing younger entrepreneurs' abilities to realize their dreams. My expertise in this lies in my ability to navigate the gauntlet of challenges the city places in front of independent operators. I possess a niche but, and uncommon skill set that allows me to do this well, but it's one that I don't believe most <coughs> people who run a bar or nightlife should need to have to be successful. Eliminating the need or lessening the degree of which a skill set is needed to open a business in this industry would be a goal of mine if selected. If we as a city want a thriving entertainment and nightlife culture, we need to further streamline the process required to start and operate a small business in San Francisco. Having my, worked my way through the industry from cashier, server, bartender, and finally being an owner-operator, I understand and can advocate for the diverse perspectiveness of the people who work in the industry equally as well as the decision makers and owners. Being married to a working musician, I have a first-hand view into life of artists trying to make a living at their trade in San Francisco. 
Being deeply embedded in various communities here in San Francisco, I am passionate about the role nightlife and entertainment plays in building community and how crucial it is from a civic perspective to foster that. Navigating three public-facing businesses through the pandemic depleted me in a way I've never experienced before, but I now feel like I'm coming back and have a renewed energy to give out. I think this position would be a great way for me to return this, the favour to the city and an industry that has given me so much. I'll never forget the kindness, assistant, assistance and attent attention that was, was extended to me when I was first starting out as an entrepreneur by Audrey, Jocelyn and the staff of the Fledging Formed Entertainment Commission. I'd like to pay that forward. If appointed, I'd like to focus my energy on advocating for the industry. I believe that a thriving nightlife and industry, entertainment industry not only is a massive economic driver, but it also supports the diversity, creativity and culture that drew me and kept, in San, kept me in San Francisco for so many years. I believe strongly that we are a world-class city with less than world-class nightlife, and I would like to put, my for, put forward my skills, expertise, and energy towards changing that. Nightlife and entertainment has the power to build community, deeper our civic sense of place, and can play a part in reversing the doom loop narrative that is plaguing our beautiful city. The recent decline in tourism is deeply negatively impacting this industry in a way that is still revealing itself. And it isn't just foreign or out-of-state visitors in decline. The onslaught of bad press is causing people from the surrounding communities of the Bay Area and beyond to, to come into San Francisco less. Reversing this trend would be guiding and reversing this trend would be guiding and primary objective for me in, if appointed. I want to make things easier for entrepreneurs, promoters, musicians, performers, artists, and workers to thrive in the city. I believe as a city, we need to put energy into supporting the things that we want to see more of, and if selected, that is exactly what I will champion. I believe the breadth of experience I have had in this industry and the passion that I have for it will translate to this position if you choose to accept my application. I apologize again that I can't be here to tell you this in person. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I want to thank Chris. That was a very comprehensive yes. <laughs> statement. And That's what honestly, Jillian, there could not be a better person to deliver it than you. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much for coming yeah. out thank on you. Chris's behalf. And um, thank you for running casements that my whole office loves so much. <laughs> Appreciate um, I'd you. like to throw that my favorite entertainment oh, venue yes, please. is The Stud. I met my partner there. Um, and I know Chris, uh, Chris met, also met his partner at uh, Lolinda on the El Tacho. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thanks for that. I love this little uh, shout out uh, trend you started. Um, and, and last but certainly not least, uh, Maria Davis. Hi, I'm Maria Davis. Um, thank you for considering me today, and I also would like to reiterate what an honor it is to be among the other candidates. Um, I have lived in San Francisco for 16 years, and it's a city that I've completely fallen in love with and have a lot of hope for. Um, I have been involved in nightlife since I was 12 years old and I started to go seeing bands. And I've worked in clubs and bars since I was 22, so over 20 years. Uh, I have owned The Stud with, uh, with many others <laughs> for seven years and I've owned my, my wife, St. Mary's Pub, a uh, little neighborhood bar for thir over 13 years. Um, mm -hmm. 
So I have been kind of a one-woman show at St. Mary's. I've done everything there, <laughs> um, including putting on uh, DJ events, uh, fundraising events, you name it, uh, chili cook-off every Super Bowl. <laughs> and um, at the stud, I have um, been, when we, when we took over, I was sort of their permit liaison and worked on getting our permits, including a lot with the Entertainment Commission, um, and also did our, do our permits, obviously, for St. Mary's. Uh, I have also been a performer and a DJ in San Francisco. I, um, at the stud, I've worked in our financial oversight committee, uh, and so throughout my years working in nightlife in San Francisco, I've worked on in many different capacities. Uh, myself and Ben Blyman took on a, a, one of the biggest beer distributors, uh, this is a few years ago, uh, that was having neglectful and unfair business practices towards smaller accounts in San Francisco. As a result, they changed their policies and procedures. Uh, during the pandemic, I was deeply involved in supporting my nightlife community, I became an advocate and member of the San Francisco Venue Coalition and the Independent Venues Alliance. Um, and I was quite involved with both of those organizations. Um, I was in talks with Ben Van Houten, Maggie Weiland, and Rachel Ryan, who is the studs president. Um, and those talks eventually turned into what became the jam permits. Uh, myself, Rob Reddy, and Honey Mahogany wrote the legislative, legislative framework for what became the Nightlife Relief Fund. Uh, I also have been um, the chair for my, uh, the fundraising chair for my child's preschool, and I'm a proud parent of a San Francisco Unified School District 10-year-old at Flynn Elementary, and I've done a lot of uh, volunteer work with them. Uh, I've also been an advocate for many different causes, but particularly something important in the nightlife community is for harm reduction and having Narcan available. Uh, and I will say that my, our stud, my stud, was the first bar to carry Narcan. Um, hmm. I've seen conflict between nightlife and surrounding communities, but I've also seen tremendous collaboration I think that I have a unique perspective and experience to be someone to facilitate more collaboration. I know the experience and struggles within the nightlife community in San Francisco, and I have never been one to sit back and watch. I've always gotten involved where things that I care about need help. Um, I know that nightlife needs help right now and I am motivated and enthusiastic about stepping in and doing the things I can do and representing the nightlife community and the, the needs that we have. Thank you so much. Um, questions? I think I know the answer to the question, but what's your favorite entertainment venue in the city? The stud. 
Even more than St. Mary's Pub, huh? <laughs> Well, we are just like a little peanut of a dive bar. So, I, I know you know, I, if we want to call the St. <laughs> Mary's Pub, yeah, yeah. Okay. Both, they're tied. Okay. <laughs> Supervisor Walton. Thank you, Chair Ronan. <clears throat> and this is not a question. I just, it goes without saying, and it's already been said that we actually have a tough position right now because we have so many qualified candidates. So I just want to thank everyone uh, for stepping up and being willing to serve and to understand that obviously there'll be more opportunities um, to serve in roles that benefit the city, but we do appreciate all of you and we have a hard decision to make as we move forward. Thank you, Bob. Thank you all. Thank you. And I, I just had one uh, question for you because both owners and workers right now are suffering so much um, in the entertainment industry. And I'm just wondering um, how you would balance sort of those interests and, and ideas you have um, if you're appointed to the Entertainment Commission? Well, I think that I would be there to listen. Um, you know, I actually was part of a, um, a roundtable on Thursday with the mayor and other bar owners. And, you know, I have my ideas on what, what we can do to fix some of the things that are happening and to, to recover, because we are still very much in recovery. Uh, but it was really incredible to hear the creative ideas, uh, solutions from you know, my colleagues. So I think that being able to create an environment in which people's voices are heard is so important. And I would absolutely con continue that conversation. Um, yeah. Thank you, appreciate that. Thank you so much. And we will now open this item up for public comment. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this matter should line up to speak at this time. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes. Good morning, supervisors. I'm here to express my support for Asia Nicole Duncan's candidacy for the Entertainment Commission number two. Um, my name is Corey Hallman. I'm a representative of Teamsters Local Union 856, and I've known Asia Nicole through our membership in the Harvey Milk Democratic Club. I can attest, contest, I can attest <laughs> to her commitment to activism, harm reduction work, and the betterment of our community. I've had the privilege of working closely with Asia Nicole on various political campaigns, including those of John Avalos, David Campos, and Tom Temprano. Through these experiences, I've witnessed firsthand her passion, dedication, and effectiveness as an advocate for positive change. Asia Nicole's ability to mobilize communities and her commitment to social justice have consistently stood out. Asia Nicole's involvement in the Harvey Milk Democratic Club alongside her active participation in political campaigns displays her deep understanding of the issues that matter most to our community. Her advocacy work extends beyond the political sphere to include the impactful contributions to harm reduction efforts. This commitment to harm reduction aligns seamlessly with her belief in creating safe and inclusive spaces within the nightlife industry. As a fellow community activist and performer, Asia Nicole brings a unique and valuable perspective to the Entertainment Commission. Her experience as a DJ and her intimate knowledge of the complexities within the adult entertainment industry provide her with the insights that are essential for addressing the diverse needs in the city. Asia Nicole's dedication to serving on the Entertainment Commission reflects her desire to contribute to the betterment of San Francisco's nightlife industry for both a performer and community activist standpoint. 
Her views are rooted in a genuine understanding of the challenges faced by those working in the nightlife sector. And I believe her presence on the commission will ensure a more comprehensive and representative approach to policymaking. Thank you. Thank you so much. Any other public comment? There does not appear to be any other speakers for public comment. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Well, colleagues, this is about the hardest uh, <laughs> um, choice that I've made in a long time, um, that we've made in a long time. We have a, an incredible advocate for sex workers and safety of dancers with a wide, incredible range of experience. We have a transgender bartender um, who so thoughtfully acknowledged how all of these uh, applicants are just absolute incredible. Um, a queer bar owner in the mission that raises money for important causes and has just been an absolute leader in the industry and a queer public school mother and activist who pioneered carrying Narcan in her dive bar. I, 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 each and every one of you uh, would make an incredible, incredible addition uh, to the Entertainment Commission. I, I want to acknowledge that we received tons of letters of support uh, for both Asia Nicole and uh, Maria Davis. I read all of them. Um, and, you know, colleagues, I, I love your help. Here, here's where I am. I know someone has to, 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 to just say something uh, to make this impossible decision. You know, I, I do think at this moment of time that it, it does make sense to have an owner of an establishment in the industry seat, given how, um, how much we are in recovery. Uh, and... Um, uh, I have just received uh, a lot of recommendations uh, for people I really respect for Maria Davis. Um, and given what a impossible decision this is and that uh, people closely related to the Entertainment uh, Commission who I've spoken with uh, just rave about her and her commitment, um, that would be my recommendation. Uh, I very, very much want to uh, work with the rest of you um, around other leadership opportunities in San Francisco, and I encourage you to apply the next time there's a seat open. Um, but that's where I uh, sit where, where, where it comes to seat two, and then, of course, I'm very excited to be supporting Anthony for seat one. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, Chair. As they say, heavy the head that wears the crown. So you are the chair of the committee. So <laughs> it, this, was, this was not an easy decision. I really appreciate everyone that came out today because a lot of times we don't have a, a plethora of, of really qualified people. But I was sitting here thinking and listening to the experiences that all of you have. And each and every one of you, um, even the gentleman that's not here, bring a, a very different perspective to this body and I think where we are right now the reason I was asking about your favorite venue was to talk about how important nightlife and how important small businesses are to our city and how they make San Francisco unique 
Because people come here because they want to go to the stud, because they want to go to El Rio, because they want to go to Lookout, because they want to go to different parts of the city. I mean, these are the things that make San Francisco special. So really appreciate all the diversity of opinions that have come here today. The thing that I think that, that outweighs the decision is because of where we are right now. So many, so many of the businesses, it was interesting to hear Maria talk about a round table with the mayor. Well, we on this board have been trying to get the mayor to pay attention to this for three years. We talked about creating a rent relief fund. We talked about creating uh, an, an entertainment uh, fund that can actually support these businesses. I mean, this is work that needs to happen and needs to happen immediately. And it's not just for the owners, it's for the workers. It's for creating safe places. It's that entire environment. So I think recovery is the key to what uh, needs to be pushed right now um, because of the economic environment that we're in. So. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll follow the lead of the chair uh, today. I think it's a, a very, very difficult decision. I think uh, all of you bring um, a, an important perspective. And, and this, is, this is the part of being on the Rules Committee that's not fun, when you actually have to choose someone over somebody else when you say, I could choose any one of you. Um, but, but it's not empty words. I just want to say whoever ends up, when we finalize this today, there really are other opportunities. And I think one of the things I liked about Asia's, her perspective is, and her experience, is applicable to many commissions that we have here. Not just the Entertainment Commission. There's opportunities to work with you. There's uh, health, there's public health. There's, there's so many different things that we can work with you on, right? St status of women. There, there's so much, uh, so many different commissions uh, that we, uh, that we that we interface with. So I would please encourage you to stay in contact with the chair's office. And I'm almost certain we will be appointing you to something within the next year. Um, and, and same thing with the other applicants. So um, I, I appreciate all of them. And as I said, I, this is not an easy decision. Thank you, Chair. Thank you so much. Um, so with that, I will make a motion appointing Anthony Schlander to seat one and Maria Davis to seat two. Uh, yes, on that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. The motion passes without objection. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you all so, so much. Uh, Mr. Clerk, do we have any other items on the agenda today? There are no other items on today's agenda. The meeting is adjourned.